from Indianapolis with an eye on every corner of the state. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Elevate Ventures and Indiana University. Lady and gentlemen, start your engines! This is the greatest spectacle in racing. That sound. <laughs> this month. May in Indiana. The Thunderbirds, bagpipes, a swig of milk, the party in the snake pit, this spectacle, a time when Indiana shares its unique traditions with the rest of the world. Back home again in Indiana. It's time to buckle in for Business at the Brickyard from the world's greatest race course. Presented by Purdue University. Climb the fence at the speedway again. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick. It is go time at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 uh, is upon us. We have been here all month profiling the economic impact of the speedway and motorsports as well. It is big business and it touches virtually every corner of the state. Race day itself, with more than 350,000 people converging on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, ticket revenues alone are estimated at more than $50 million. Race fans also forking out money in restaurants, hotels, and into the local economy to the tune of an estimated $300 million. Add to that the millions in advertising, team sponsorships, and broadcast and streaming rights. The Indy 500 is rocket fuel for big business, but there is also a mom-and-pop business element to Indy that sets it apart. Hot spots like Charlie Brown's on Main Street and Speedway have been serving long lines of race fans for decades, one of many restaurants cashing in on Indy. For years, neighborhoods in the shadow of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway have cleaned up by turning their yards into parking lots with a party, some funding college educations with the proceeds. Park a few cars, have uh, some some people that come into town every year that uh, they make the journey from, you know, mainly Illinois, but Minnesota, Florida, all over the country. Some people have been doing it for 50-plus years, and they definitely look forward to that income. (laughs) So, yeah, it's fun parking cars, and I think people really appreciate being this close so they don't have to walk as far. Marcus Erickson! And one more really big number to keep in mind, $16 million. Last year's Indy 500 purse, with winner Marcus Erickson hauling in more than $3 million. And I'm joined now by a man who knows uh, full well, perhaps better than anyone else, uh, what this place, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500, means uh, emotionally, economically, and why it is a special place. Mario Andretti. Mario, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jerry. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, 100 times, more than 100 times, you took a checkered flag during your Hall of Fame career. You won here at Indy. You've won at Daytona, Formula One. What makes Indianapolis, what makes this place special? Well, the strength of this event is tradition. Like I said, uh, 
with a capital T because uh, this event has been happening for over 100 year, 107th year this year. And, uh, and there's so much strength into that. And uh, I mean, I, I run across fans. I ran across a fan the other morning, 98 years old. He's been here 72 times. And he wow. saw me race in the 50s back in New Jersey and so forth. I mean, that's what you have. And, uh, but then again, uh, then there's the, the younger set, you know, they want to see what's happening at Indianapolis. And uh, yeah, a lot of things are happening here. I mean, th this is not just a race, it's an event. This is our Super Bowl, yeah, and um, and it's got so many characters. I mean, so many things that are important here. The emotions of this place are tremendous. The economics as well is a yeah. big business. Obviously, yeah. we saw this past week, uh, Graham Rahal. The emotions of not making the race, and yeah. now he, he's back in back because in. of a turn of events. Catherine Lake, fastest female qualifier ever. Then she crashes during practice. Yeah. From a business standpoint, how, how um, I don't know, I guess nerve-wracking, but, but how difficult is it when you look at the economics of, of racing out here? How much pressure is on the driver? Well, everything is, all the stakes are on happening. What if it doesn't happen? You see what I mean? So, um, and that's that's it, but that that's that's motor racing. That's the sport. I mean, it's uh, you're always on that fine edge, and, uh, and nothing is ever really comfortable. You never got a maid. You have sponsors. The sport is very, you know, obviously very commercial, and um, so the sponsors want to be part of it, part of every event. They want to be proud. You have a lot of responsibility, which is great. I mean, this, but uh, you know what? You better put your better, best foot forward always. But not only here, everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, this like the Super Bowl. But at the Super Bowl, you do the same thing you did the, the entire season. The only thing is you don't get another chance. <laughs> right, right. The Australian Grand Prix is go. Good Mario, Michael, and Andretti Autosport uh, also making a big play to join Formula One, a partnership with General Motors. Uh, and it's a uh, Cadillac brand getting a lot of attention, uh, a deal that would be potentially uh, really big, obviously, for Andretti Autosport and for Indianapolis. Their ambition is grandiose. And, uh, and Formula One, obviously, you know, you, it's, the, uh, it's like the Olympic of motorsports because of its, it's in international nature. And uh, the dream is, obviously, to have a team there, all-American team. You just mentioned the key factor. Also, you know, with General Motors, which is historic, because uh, uh, the Cadillac brand was never, ever in Formula One officially. You know, so this is amazing, you know, uh, to, to have all of that. And uh, so that's the play right now. And, uh, you know, they're doing everything that they need to do to, to be accepted. And uh, hopefully we'll get that uh, news sooner than later. Yeah, how soon do you think there, there might be word on, on that? There's a chance sometime in uh, July. Okay. How would you assess the state of the, uh, the motorsports industry right now overall? I think the, the, the state of the sport is good. I'm looking to say IndyCar. I don't think the product has ever been better, quite honestly. The depth of the team, I mean, how healthy the teams are. You can see it by the competition and the talent pool. The talent pool is uh, unprecedented because you not only have new talents, which represents the future, but some of the so-called veterans are still young enough to be here a long time. So again, um, yeah, when you have the product, you have something to work with. You know, that's the basis, and it's there. And I was looking. I was just um, talking to Mark Miles. Um, you know the. Uh, 
the qualifying, you know, the, the format that Indianapolis has is unbelievably good. You know, you can see the attention that it had, whether you're watching on TV or here, action all the time. So, you know, the sport evolves like, a, you know, anything else in business, but it's going in the right direction. And to answer your question, I think uh, the sport is in a good place. All right. Mario Andretti is always great. Great to see you. You're a great ambassador for the sport as well. I really appreciate it. It's time to cowboy up here at Tri-State Speedway. Coming up next, four-wheeled speed gliding across Indiana dirt. Sprint car racing fueling big bucks into Hoosier hotspots from Hobstock to Kokomo. And even here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a place that has hosted just about every type of racing under the sun. NASCAR came roaring to the Brickyard in 1994. F1, motorcycles, and airplanes have also kicked it into high gear here. The first event ever held at IMS, a balloon race in 1909, just two months after construction of the Speedway was completed. Somebody's giving them a bottle of milk. Louis Meyer, 1936, Indy's first three-time champion and the driver who started the tradition of the race winner drinking milk in Victory Lane. Here's what's making news around Indiana. Brought to you by the Indiana Association of Realtors, Indiana's 21,000 realtors, the neighbors you know, the experts you can count on. Well, many IndyCar drivers cut their teeth behind the wheel under the bright lights of dirt tracks all over the United States. Indeed, sprint car racing is big business here in Indiana. Mary Rachel Redmond joins us now inside the grounds of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with more. Mary Rachel. Well, Gary, with race day upon us, obviously the focus is on IndyCar and the field of 33, but just inside turn three is another field of dreams, the IMS dirt track. And as IMS President Doug Bowles tells us, short tracks like this one, really the heartbeat of racing in Indiana. Really what's made Indiana famous around racing are the short tracks that you could find all over the state of Indiana through all kinds of small communities. But some of the most iconic dirt tracks in the world are here in central Indiana and across our state. And it's that racing, those weekly race series, those we- weekly tracks, that short track promoter that really is the heartbeat of motorsport. Race fans start in those race tracks. For the racer out of Princeton, Indiana, looking for a $35,000 payday here at Kokomo Speedway. The Ellie's Custom Trailers, of course, Sprint Car, SmackDown 11, Cal Cummins goes wire to wire. You know, dirt track racing is just the most raw form of racing that there is. Some people say it's like riding a bull. Car upside down hard! Some people say it's like riding a rocket. Got one big time off of turn number four. The steering wheel's trying to rip out of your hand. Dirt flying at you. It's a, it's a full-on battle every lap. Kyle Cummins has been racing sprint cars in Indiana since he was a teenager. Now in his mid-30s, the Southern Indiana native is one of the dirt track circuit's biggest stars. Kyle Cummins was not to be denied. Indiana is the number one for the racing scene. Like it is, um, people, if if you're born in California, you move to Indiana to go racing. If you're born in Florida, you move to Indiana to go racing. 
Indiana is the number one place for dirt tracks. At Tri-State Speedway. Whether it be Terre Haute or Kokomo or Bloomington, some of those racetracks like that, those tracks actually become tracks that national drivers at the short track level want to come and compete. So not only do they train drivers, they also become sort of a destination point for people who continue in short track racing to go up the ladder and get to the point where they're running in an IndyCar or they're running in NASCAR. And according to Cummins, the high-octane sport has seen a dramatic upswing in popularity in recent years. I am MS got in the game in 2018, building a quarter-mile dirt track of its own. So for us, when we built the short track here at the Speedway, it was our way to connect back to grassroots because grassroots is so important. So while a lot of those drivers end up going the NASCAR route or, or World of Outlaws or some other way than just getting to IndyCar, we wanted to give short track drivers and fans an opportunity to say, I'm still going to get a chance to compete at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. As a local track fan, get to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and cheer for our track champion. That's why we build it. We didn't build it to compete against short tracks. We're not in the short track promotion business. What we are in is the short track celebration business. And the one big event held at the IMS Dirt Track every year, the Driven to Save Lives BC39, a crazy four-day-long excursion full of races coming up in late September. And just a fair warning, all that dirt flying, you might want to bring a pair of goggles. Gary, back to you. All right, Mary Rachel, thank you. Grassroots racing at its best, and you can see it all over the state of Indiana. This turns to be over the plate. So the way you would do it, for example. Coming up next, IndyCar's new doctor on call. How she's making history. More on the first woman to be in charge of the medical center here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. All rights reserved. Horsepower and high-tech performance with a huge Indiana tie. When drivers took the green flag at last year's Indianapolis 500, 32 of 33 had Purdue students or graduates working on their teams. Well, the IU Health Emergency Medical Center is the oldest building inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And once again this year, history is being made there. That's where our Kylie Valletta is now with uh, details on a new doctor on call. Kylie. Well, thanks, Gary. With some 300,000 spectators, IMS becomes the second largest city in Indiana on race day. Overseeing the medical care of the spectators and the drivers, this year is a new medical director who also happens to be the first female. But the idea behind this is one day that this is not going to be news. Dr. Julia Weiser is the first woman to take on the role of medical director for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the NTT IndyCar Series. Because we are the ones interpreting all of the images. She follows in the footsteps of Dr. Jeffrey Billows, who was top doc at the track for nearly 20 years. I'm humbled to be chosen for this position. I'm very proud to lead my team. It is, in fact, the best medical team out there. And you know why? Because they're really passionate about this place. We caught up with her at the Enfield Emergency Medical Center. But on race day, you'll find her trackside in a medic car ready to respond to crashes. This is the Indianapolis 500. It's the first lap that always gives her goosebumps. I'll be sitting kind of 
outside with my arm on the window, my arm on the on the on the roof of the car, just watching them go by. Down two by two through turn two, the Aaron McLaren team. Because it's just such an emotional moment, watching them with my head going, "Be nice, be nice, behave, <laughs> you know, play nice." When there is an accident at IMS, the goal is to have the driver out of the car to the infield care center in less than two minutes. No doubt, lives have been saved at this small but mighty hospital that was built in 1948. Another first this year, the IndyCar team has a brand new medical trailer. While it's parked for May, it travels to every other race on the series schedule. It is marvelous. It is state-of-the-art you know, medical facility that you can create on the road. The IndyCar medical team has traveled with the drivers and teams for decades, but the medical unit now provides a high-tech home base to deliver consistent care, like a hospital on wheels. But we now have, um, you know, we travel with an x-ray, we travel with an ultrasound, we travel with uh, resuscitation medications, we travel with uh, IV fluids. We want to make sure that we deliver some sort of consistent benchmark at every race that our drivers know we will meet no matter where we go. But it's at IMS, home to the only motorsports medicine fellowship in the world, where a medical center with a rich history also sets the pace for tomorrow. This is where we shape the future of motorsports medicine. And just a little piece of trivia for you. The Enfield Medical Care Center is the oldest structure at IMS. It was built just after World War II, and it was the first Enfield Care Center ever built at a racetrack. Gary, back to you. All right, Kylie, thank you. A changing of the guard at what is a very important place here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway during the month of May. When we come back, a final salute to the biggest weekend and month in Indiana. We put a bow on our month-long coverage of Business at the Brickyard. Fans who didn't pack enough food in their coolers on race day can always hit the concession stand, and they do. Get this, if you took all the hot dogs and brats sold at the 500, placed them end-to-end, they would circle the two-and-a-half-mile oval at least two times. Well, we end our show this week where we began the month at the historic Yard of Bricks here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And what a month it has been. The traditions, the memories, the stories of the people who built the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and motorsports in Indiana. It is an industry that has big social and economic impact on every corner of the state. This is and always will be the greatest spectacle in racing. This is the Indianapolis 500. Well, the strength of this event is tradition, like I said, uh, with a capital T, because this event has been happening for over 100 years, 107th year this year, and there's so much strength into that. Lady and gentlemen, start your engine. I thought we'd bother taking a poke. Tony Holman bought the Crumbling Speedway for a whopping $750,000 in 1945. And together, Tony from Terre Haute and Mary the Cigar Heiress from Evansville turned the Indianapolis 500 into the premier motorsports event in the world. The Holman George family did amazing things. Roger Penske is now going to take what they've built and make it even better. Roger wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we can 
to deal with the longtime belief that that motorsports and racing was a white sport, a belief that he didn't he did not have and didn't realize was so prevalent until he came here and got involved in our NXG Youth Motorsports Program. If you need it done, you can get it done in Indy. As we continue our month-long Business at the Brickyard series, a look at the economic impact of motorsports on Indianapolis and the state of Indiana. It is significant, touching all 92 Indiana counties, 300-plus motorsports-related businesses, we're hitting on all cylinders, as we say. Green, green, green. Christian Lundgaard. Biggest growth has been on social and digital media. So that's really, that means younger. And that, of course, that's is what you music want. to yeah. sports marketers here. The Purdue presence here at Indianapolis, very big. Purdue is part of the fabric of the Indianapolis 500. It all started in 1919. The Purdue All-American Marching Band paving the way is the first band to play as part of race day ceremonies. The 500 Festival. It's been around since 1957. It's the princess float that features all 33 500 princesses. And it also brings back a little nostalgia for me. Back in 2006, I too did the princess wave. Drivers and teams are taking advantage of an Indianapolis area gym, Pit Fit, to push their workouts into a sixth gear. The heart rates of race drivers actually compare to someone running a marathon. But here at Pit Fit, they're not just training cardio, they also train your mind. From strobe glasses for focus speed. This is not just a race, it's an event. This is our Super Bowl. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.